Matt Slack is a talented actor, comedian, panto star, musical star, who started out as a postman, then a comedy act, and it was his first-class delivery that stood out as a comedian, not as a postman. But there is an intentional gag there if you're willing to find it. I digress. Matt has appeared in soaps, movies, musicals, summer shows, and stars in the biggest pantomime in the UK at the Birmingham Hippodrome. And he's made his name doing what he loves. He found a path that suits his passion, and he just runs with it. Matt and I have a 20-year gap from when we last worked together, mainly because he changed his path. And for him, it changed for the better. I'm in Panto myself this Christmas in 2021, but when I've closed my season, I'll be taking my family up to Birmingham to see the man at work, to see him shine, and I'm really looking forward to it. Matt always had that charisma and something special back in Torquay when we shared a dressing room and it was from that season that his life changed and you get to hear that during our catch up. We talked about the moment Bruce Forsyth filmed his freelance documentary on his career when he started at Babacombe Theatre and the Eastbourne Hippodrome Theatre coincidentally where I started my professional career in 2000 and 2001. So back in 2001 at Babacombe Theatre where Bruce Forsyth made an appearance in our summer show to the delight of our unexpected audience. And six years later, I was at the BBC studios in Wood Lane filming a TV pilot with Brucey, and this spot went really well. It was hosted by Mr Forsyth, a fellow water rat, and Vernon Kay, and starred Denise Van Outen and John Colshaw. The show was called Saturday Night Showdown. It was to be competition for Anton Deck's Saturday Night Takeaway on ITV. And it was a variety come game show. And on this pilot, two variety acts got to perform. And the audience got to vote for the best act on the night to earn points for the two presenters' teams. Vernon's team had a magician supporting him. And I was supporting Brucey with Arthur Lager. And here's the moment he brings me on. <laughs> a very very good choice but now it's time to introduce the variety performance you've all been waiting for i don't know about you but do you ever talk to yourself i do it all the time don't i bruce yes i do and <laughs> <laughs> here's a man who does it very successfully and he does it for a living representing me and my hockey team please welcome on stage steve hewlett <laughs> Steve, I do a mixture of comedy and ventriloquism, so if you don't find anything funny, that's ventriloquism, what I'm doing. <laughs> that was comedy. <laughs> Please welcome Arthur. Come on, Arthur. Oh, we're here for a special reason tonight. I want you to tell the audience why we're here. Cash! No, Arthur, it's a special reason. I was talking to Denise Van Allen backstage. You were talking to Denise? Mm, what did she say? No. <laughs> it was a great night out. Brilliant experience for me, but it stopped there. The pilot got shelved. That's show business. 
We learn every day in our world. So I really enjoy catching up with Matt early 2021. So welcome to Eyes and Teeth, Funny for Money, the brilliant Matt Slack. This is a very special guest for me. We, we go back years uh, and I, I can't believe I'm at that age where I can say that. But we do literally go back years, uh, two decades, actually. So I'd like to welcome to Eyes and Teeth, the wonderful Mr. Matt Slack. Hello, sir. Hello, Steve Hewlett. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, thanks. It's been 20 years, mate, since we worked together. Was it something I said? Oh, yeah, tw has it been 20 years, really? It, it was 2001, wasn't it? So, um, 2001? Yeah. I know, it blows your mind. Oh, God. <laughs> so, the Babacom Theatre. Babacom, it was such a memorable season, and it was a proper seaside special, wasn't it? It was true yeah. variety show for Colin Matthews. And it was great, mate, wasn't it? It was, it was um, I think it was my second sort of season at the Babacom Theatre. Right. I'd done the, the one before, well, I'd done a couple before. The first uh, two years before, I did a, a one-off, you know, once-a-week show with, with the kids. I think that was called The Time of Our Lives. Oh, yes. Which was, uh, that, well, that was really good with a lot of young talent. A lot, a few of them gone on to do some great things. Um, yeah, amazing. And then, and then we did, I did the, the full first, full season the following year. Uh, Paul Berlin was there. Oh, yes. You know Paul? Yeah, um, yeah. And then the, the following year, yeah, back, and then it was it was with you and um, a few others, and it was a brilliant show, wasn't it? We had such a good time. It's, it's such a wonderful place, Babacom and Torquay. So, I mean, it's the only time I've lived there for a whole season, and, and it was my second professional season. We had Ren Leah, the lovely Lisa and Steve, Gary Richards, yeah. and um, you got an eyeful of Gary in one of the sketches, didn't you? <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I never did. I never saw it, but there was this dressing gown scene we had to do, and, and, and I know that he was giving you a surprise every time we'd done the scene, but that, that's for your eyes only, <laughs> I think. I'm sorry I brought that back. <laughs> I was I was a bit uh, deflated to be honest. It wasn't what, quite what I was expecting. I was <laughs> expecting a little bit more from Gary, but uh, it, it was great. It was the old um, Chapel Bells routine, it, which yeah. uh, uh, I, I've, I've done since with the pots and pans. We, 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 that sort of pops up every now and again in, in, in Panto. Uh, okay. uh, but we had such a good time there, and, and the Babacom Theatre. It's um, I mean I, I talk about it a lot with uh, with real affection because it's it started so many careers. Yeah, you know, and so many careers have blossomed and, and, and gone on because of the, being able to perform a, a, a theatre such as that. You know, look at, do you remember Bruce Forsyth? Dear old Bruce came down, didn't he? <laughs> well, during the Babacom season, yeah. Day, uh, the, I, I, remember, I remember it so well. In my little office bit, I've got um, a picture of me and Bruce on stage. And, it, it, um, it's brilliant. I'll, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. When he came down, we spent all day, and, and for me in particular, and, and for, for everyone, you know, yourself, but, but for me in particular, because it was, I'm a young comic, just, you know, just about a, sort of on, on this journey of a yeah. career, and to have him stood there, and he came in and went, right, what I'll do is I'll come on. I went, no, you won't. I said, I'll do my opening spot, because it's really good. I've got it nice and tight. And then at the end of it, I'll say, I'll do an impression as well. I do, I'll do an impression of Bruce Forsyth. And I did it. I said, I'll walk off, and I'll come back on as Bruce Forsyth. And do you remember? I walked on, yeah. and Bruce walked on, and the audience were like that. They had no idea. Silence. Oh, mate, it was so magical. <laughs> it was epic at the time. And uh, I remember at the, at the end of it, he said, uh, you don't hit sing me. He's the man you are hit sing. I'm the new president of that track. And then he walked <laughs> off, and I walked back on, and then we had a little moment. Uh, very, very special, unique time, mate. Um, and, and 
wants to be cherished. It, it was it was fantastic. That was the day me and Nina got engaged. You know, I, I just woke up that yeah, I got that woke up that morning, ran into town while she was still in bed, come back, and I proposed to her, and then, and then. And then Brucey turned up to re rehearsal of the show, and then and then all that happened, and it was just so special. But just standing in the wings, with, you know. Because you got engaged, the Bruce came down. Is that what you say? Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, no, it, I just. <laughs> it was just. It just made it even more special. Do you know what I mean? That yeah, it was yeah, a spare so of the moment thing. But that, also that year, my daughter was born. My daughter Molly Ann. Yes, I watched the birth. I remember. I remember. You I, think, had... I think she's mine. I think I was there. I think <laughs> yeah. I was involved. I think we. Uh, you showed us a video or something, and it was uh, a, a very poignant daddy video. The day your daughter was born, it was it was incre incredibly um, uh, emotional, really. But yeah. you could say, see how proud you were, mate. It was so nice. Yeah, it was. A, it was a, yeah, so that year, mate, was full of you know so many life changing experiences. Uh, and also, you, you lived you lived in my mum and dad's annex. Granny annex. Uh, yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, because you, you came round a few times. But yeah, we looked after their cat. I mean, uh, it was that your mum and dad was so adorable. They really looked after us, and uh, you know, they were like my uncle and auntie really that season. They yeah. uh, lovely, lovely people. And yeah, so no, they still speak fondly of you, mate. They, oh. they, they always say, uh, "Oh, uh, you know." And I said, "I haven't since Stephen." Donkey shit, yeah. Um, so it's, like you say, mate, it's nice to catch up. And I, in actual fact, that, that <laughs> flat, um, unfortunately, you know, I went through a divorce, um, yeah. uh, and uh, I ended up moving, moving into that flat. Did you? Uh, and I had a, I, I had a, mate, I did it all up, but, um, and uh, I had a great time, it got me through a, 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 a pretty tough time. Yeah, like, uh, I, I had a tidy up, tidied up if I'd have known. <laughs> That was Nina. That wasn't me. Eyes and teeth. I also remember that season. I think it was John Conway from Kudos, and we knew Kudos were coming down to visit the show, and they had in mind to see Matt Slack. And I think from that, Kudos took you away, didn't they? And and that's I think where your career started yeah. to change. It did, mate. Yeah, I mean, um, Nick Thomas, and uh, it was actually down to and John Conway and my agent back then, uh, Phil Dale, yes. um, who looks after quite a lot of people, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm still friends with Phil, not with him anymore, but um, they came along for the day, and they weren't going to come, uh, but it was actually Joe Pasquale, who, uh, who I know you know, and yeah. everyone knows Joe, yeah. everybody knows Joe, he's a wonderful man, they weren't going to come to see Joe, um, for some reason, somewhere else, anyway, he said, come and see me at, at um, I'm in Torquay. So they went down and talked, and he said, why are you down here? Go along and see Matt at oh, the Vatican Theatre. Nice. Um, and they were reluctant to at first, but then they did. And, and the rest, mate, is history. And there have been a massive, um, kudos, Nick Thomas, John Conway, and now Mark Clarison. Yeah. Um, have been a massive part of my career. Uh, as you know now, with the Birmingham Hippodrome sort of legacy that I've got going on, or did have going on until the, uh, yeah, to the lockdown. Yeah. Um, it's been a huge success. Um, and who'd have thought it just from, from that little visit and pantomime. And that's, you know, that's alongside everything else, the other stuff, the bits and bobs that I do, but pantomime is a massive part of my career. So that's, I'm, that's, I'm very grateful yeah. for them. 
Uh, I'm very grateful to Joe. Yeah, bless to, Joe. To, to he's, a, him, you know? he's a good man. And, and I think Kudos saw that in you. I think they saw that special thing which Bradley Walsh, Joe Pasquale, Bobby Davro, Brian Connolly, Alan Stewart, all those people have. And and they see that in you. And I saw that in you in that season. I thought, this guy's got... You're a one-man show, you know. You do impressions, singing, you can dance, you can, you can act. And you're very, very naturally funny. So I think that's... That's what they want in a package, isn't it? And that's what you bring to Panto. Yeah, thank you, mate. And that's, that's a very nice compliment. That, that's really, really nice. And I suppose, um, yeah, that, that is kind of it. But back in the day, I was a, a combination, an amalgamation of so many different people. That You know, you had your Brian Conley, your Barry Moores, your, your Bruce's, your, your um, Russ Abbott's and all that kind of, like you say, Bradley Walsh's and Shane Ritchie as well. Yeah. And I was sort of a pinch of all of them rolled up into one so they were very excited when when they sort of discovered me as as was i yeah um but the problem with that that kind of era that uh, and john conway said to me at the time he said uh, and i still give his to john every now and again and i've got a lot of admiration for john a lot of respect um he said to me at the time you know had this been 10 years previous we would be discussing my tech tv show yeah, yeah. But, because I think it was just at the last time I met the, the end of a kind of era, the end of that kind of light entertainment, Mr. Shay, like Bradley Walsh is, even though Bradley's doing brilliant and booming, you know, as is sure. Brian. Brian's you know, been announced to, to be a regular in EastEnders now. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I've met all these guys since, and I've had them come and see me work, and it, it's really nice to beat your peers and all that, but, but I think that generation sort of was just coming to an, to an end, a diverse end, but it was just coming to an end. Yeah, which, yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I was at the, I was, I was, I went to Blackboard, the Grand Theatre, alongside uh, Bobby and Tommy Cannonball, oh, okay. um, bless him, but I was so sad when I had the news about Bobby. Awful, man. Um, we, we did a summer season up there, and um, oh, we had such a good time. <laughs> I, I love them too, I love that man. Such a, I mean, what a comedy hero he was, what I learned from Bobby Ball. Um, anyway. That's amazing. Um, we were up there and John Conway had got the Royal Variety involved to come and see me. Um, it was Nigel Hall at the time, who's, who works now for Psycho and Simon Cowell. Okay. Uh, and he came to see me for Family Fortunes. And, um, it, it, you know, I had all these things, all these wonderful reviews and all that, but wow. it never quite happened. I don't know why. Uh, but it ne I never, I never sort of got that lucky break, as people say. They always say, "Oh, why did you do that?" So, well, it never, never quite happened. So I thought that's why I sort of um, took a turn and went into the musical theatre thing. Kept the panto going all the way along, and that's yeah. been hugely successful. Um, but I sort of made the swift move. That's where it happened. Okay, so where was the first move? Was it Boogie Nights? Is that the first musical that you Boogie went Nights, into? Right, yeah, a lot of people get confused. They think uh, they say, "Oh, were you in the, the film with the bloke with a big nose?" No, <laughs> You, you was the thing um, in his pants. You, that Tom Jones gag, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was Boogie Nights, 70s musical. John Conway said to me, um, which was nice because I, I didn't have to go for a casting or an audition like I do now yeah. uh, for things. You know, he just said, uh, I'd like you to go into it. So I went in as um, Dean, the DJ, the, and the understudy of the lead. And at the time, Shane Ritchie had finished the show, done work with it what he could, and then Sam Kane took over. Sam Kane is married to Linda Sardin. Yeah, I know Sam. sounds I great. Sam from before, in it, from Pontins days, and uh, I was very close mates with Sam. To cut a long story short, I, I 
Sam Kane as the lead. And um, it was just a different world to me. And I just thought, you're part of a company. Again, like, it's like Panto. It's, it's so nice to be, be able to work alongside other people. Yeah. And um, I just thought, once I made that move in the musical theatre, and I just thought, I really like this. And I'd always wanted, deep down, I'd always wanted to be an actor. I knew I was a comedian. Yeah. And I knew I had an ability to make people laugh. And I've honed that over the years, and I've, I've used that to the best of my abilities. And I've, I've been very successful at it, and I've made a very good career out of it. However, when there's more layers to someone, and you know that, you've got to be true to yourself. And that's what that's when I saw it. It was a kind of epiphany of thinking, this is what I want to do, and I want more. You know, I wanted, I knew I could get the last, but the, the, the scenes that were seeing a bit of drama, I wanted more of that. And it sort of made, made, put me on a different path. Yes. And that's where it all started with Boogie Nights. Oh, contributional. Can I take you back to when Matt Slack started out as a blue coat? Pontins in 1993, wasn't it? So, uh, it was, mate, yeah. What, what made, yeah. What made you want to be a blue coat? Was it the comedy? Well, I'll tell you what it was, mate. It, it was a, a combination of things. I was a postman at the time. Uh, just before previous, um, you know, I, I wasn't a very good postman. I was renowned for it. I used to, you know, work behind the bar as well. Later, so working late behind the bar and then having to get up at like four thirty in the morning. Yeah. Um, and I was a bit of a lad, and uh, you know, I was quite popular in the post office. But uh, I, I wouldn't turn up on Saturday mornings. I'd start phoning sick because I was hungover and things like this. And yeah. I was a bit of a boy. I was a bit of a lad. I was just <laughs> discovering myself. You know, it was, it sure. was, and I just thought this isn't. I'm not. Meant doing this and I knew uh, and I used to deliver the mail to Torbay Chalets which is at the time was Pontins um, <laughs> in, in Torbay okay. I used to look through the window and I was fascinated I could see him rehearsing and uh, I just fascinated and when I got the sack from the poster post office ironically <laughs> um, I, I, I was having a chat with a mate at a bar I was having a bad time I was you know having a little bit of a mini breakdown thinking what am I doing I've just been a postman for six years a secure job as it was at the time yeah. What am I going to do? And I mentioned the Pontins Buka. I said, I've always fancied that. And he said, you'd be great at that. He said, I know the ex manager at um, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he set up a meeting and um, the rest was history. They sent me off to, to Jersey, Plemont Bay. Um, wow. And I've not looked back since. Oh, amazing. And, and then you started yeah. to build an act, really. I guess you were, were you watching acts as, as comedians that come in, you build your own act? Yeah, it was at first, man. I didn't really know what to do. I mean, I, mean, I remember Scott Page, um, he's a very a brilliant entertainer in his own right. He, he was the entertainer manager at the time, and he said to me, uh, it, it was very raw. He said, What you got is a very raw talent. Um, and, but he saw something, and he said, You know, he said, You've, you've got to get, we've got to get you up on stage. And, and he pushed me first, first and foremost to, to sort of get up and do a little beer in there. So I do the shows, and I do it. I host something, and it was very raw looking back. It was awful, but everybody has to start somewhere. <laughs> yeah, That's yeah. where you cut your teeth. That's where you you find your style. And I was very much like um, influenced by Brian Connolly at the time, Barry Moore. And I, I used to stand up. I've, I've been making the whole room laugh without a mic, just by physically mucking around, you know. <laughs> um, and it was a revelation. It was like, I remember thinking, I'm getting paid for this, and I would do it for free. And that's something that I'm, I mean, I obviously keep that quiet. I don't tell the producers. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, they go, you said you'd do it for free. No, no, no. Back then, I would have done it for free. And, and I've, I've done things, you know, in order to get on. I've done it very cheap. but And, and now... Um, you reap the benefits. The benefits. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, but because you know, it's, that's when it becomes it was, a passion. It was a real, real light 
whole moment of, well, this is this is it. And uh, I remember thinking, right, I'm on the right track now. Yeah. Um, my, I've got my uh, vocation, and I know where I want to go. And I wanted TV. I wanted to follow in the footsteps of the Barrymores, the Connollys, the Bruce Forsyth. Uh, and, and I wanted to do it all, and that's that's how, that's how it all started for me, mate. Oh, amazing! Uh, then you became uh, Ents manager two years later, and then you became um, Entertainer of the Year in Pontin. So you got your first award, which is nice. Yeah, yeah, I got award again. Um, uh, uh, Callum Rice, who was known as Spike, he was the Ents manager, and he was another one who instigated. He said, "You've got to get on stage." Pushed me, pushed me, and pushed me to do an act, um, uh, which I did. Um, so I won that award for Pontins. I did Stairways of the Stars in Torquay, which at the time was a big sort of national talent show with Nina Mishkoff as one of the judges. And, and I won that and then broke yeah. out to the, the, the Holly Park circuit and one thing led to another. Then I went up to the Midlands and did all the clubs and all that. And I, I didn't really have an act, you know, but it just sort of built and built and built. I just sort of got on with it and, and did it for so long uh, that it's, it just sort of progressed. And then again, like bit, that brings us to the theatre. Yeah. Um, as soon as I went to the theatre, I just thought, well, I don't want to work anywhere else. Once you've had a taste of an audience coming in that paid, uh, rather than a holiday park audience, which, as you know, mm -hmm. it can be, it can be, it's a real, you know, uh, random kind of thing. You, you can have a lot of noise going on, and and I, I got, I started to resent it in the end after lots of years going around doing the doing the. The parks and all that. I just thought this isn't for me. So the theatre was really solid. You could do a really clean act, so to speak, and keep it really professional and tight, which yeah. is what I do now. And they can listen um, to you, yeah. You know, um, and and you get spoiled, don't you? So I yeah. think that was a real turning point for me. Oh, amazing. So you went onto the cruise ships, and then you start to do the theatre tours. So Bradley Walsh, Three Degrees. So that's what yeah, I like you yeah. say with the theatre work. Yeah, you must be reading a really old bio of mine, yeah. I, I've, <laughs> I've gone quite a, back, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did quite a bit, mate. I went around, uh, like I said, after doing Blackpool, and, uh, I went and supported Bradley. I did it once for Brad, and we met and got on, and uh, the last time I saw him was, uh, I was doing Casualty. I was a guest leader at Casualty in uh, 2018, I think it was, and he, I met him in Cardiff. He was, uh, Bibsy Cardiff, he was filming Doctor Who, and I bumped into him in the green room. I went, oh, Brad. Yeah, um, this business is. But yeah, that's that, yeah. I, I did lots of lots of different things, mate. But again, it, as soon as I got to the point of when I did Boogie Nights, that's when my sort of mentality changed about being an actor. And I, and I just thought it comes a point where I'm going to stop being an actor. Um, and yeah. inevitably, that led me on to, to Blood Brothers. It's it's amazing. Um, it's amazing to, to actually um, you know something you've built up over the years and think right. I'm going to move on and drop the act. And then Blood Brothers did come along. He'd done the UK tour, which is uh, incredible. It's such a wonderful musical, isn't it? Oh, it's brilliant, mate. Well, I saw it, um, I was gigging at the time, doing all the, you know, and I saw it down in Torquay at the Pavilion Theatre, and it just absolutely blew me away. And I said to my wife at the time, I said, um, that's it, I want to be in that. Oh, that's what I want to do. And six months later, I was in it. Uh, and for a, wow. for a non-trained actor, for a, you know, comedian who's come up from the ranks of being a blue coat and this and that, a raw kind of talent, was, was unheard of. You just don't do that. But what, what happened was um, I was doing Panto. Again, this is why people, people, you know, back in the day, they used to diss Panto.
yeah. you know, and I, I get really cross with people that say, I said, well, don't you dare slag off Panto. It's not only, oh, it's only Panto. It's only the thing that keeps theatres alive. It's only the thing that, I, you know, the shows that I'm involved in, I'm very proud of. You know, it's like, it's bang up today. It's not all cheesy old now. Some of it can be, but not the ones we do. No, nah, mate, so, they're, they're incredible I'm, things I'm these days. I'm diverting, sorry, but... Um, no, it's fine. I, it was because of the Panto that uh, the producer at the time, Julius Green, for Bill Kemright, his girlfriend was in the show, Peter Pan, she was the mermaid and Mrs. Darling. And I said to her, I read a bike, I said, oh, you're in Bloodborne, and I've just seen that. I said, it's fantastic. She said, oh, my partner's the, um, one of the producers. He's coming on Monday, or blah, blah, blah. Anyway, came to see the show, loved what I did, became a bit of a fan, um, got me a casting. I finished, I went for the casting on the Friday, finished Panto on the Sunday, and started rehearsals on the Monday. Blimey. For, and I stayed at Steve McFadden, who I stayed at Steve's <laughs> house for rehearsals because I was still living in Devon. So that's how quick it changes. And that's how quick it can change in this industry. It's yeah. One, one moment you're doing this, next minute, you know, you're doing a, this um, brilliant, timeless kind of musical. And I'm stood there with, with some absolutely incredible actors, you know. It's a million miles away from my world. You know, I, I've just done a summer season at Blackpool. Uh, yeah. Financially, you know, they, what they get paid was like, what? I'm like, hang on, I, I get that for doing five minutes. <laughs> so it, it, was a, it was a bit of a kick in the balls financially, but um, that didn't bother me at the time. I wanted to be true to myself and I wanted to be part of this fantastic play stroke musical. You grabbed it by the horns. And and then you, yeah. you and obviously you you you're into acting now and you wanted to get into movies obviously that's the um, the, the the goal isn't it uh, but you did do a movie in two thousand eight with Josh Stone yeah mate, well that was, that one was uh, oh, that, I think it's about um, snappers. snappers that was uh, that, that never got released so that ah. was um, that, that was a project I was involved in in Tall Bay actually with Josh and there was a big cast it never got released it's a bit of a sore subject we all got burned a bit lost a bit of money here and there. And uh, a lot of people did. So that was a, it was a learning curve, but it, it, it potentially it was it, it could have been it could have been great, but it never happened. But what I did learn from that was I learned uh, what it was like to be on a set, what it was yeah. like to be uh, in front of a camera, um, and the terminologies and this and that. Because it, if you've not had training, you don't you don't know what you do. You've literally I, I've I've always learned as I've earned. Yeah. You know? So the next time I stood on, um, uh, I stood in front of the camera. Was uh, I was a movie. I, um, I was playing opposite John Cusack. You know, it, it's, uh, oh, wow. at the time, <laughs> massive A-lister. You know, he's six foot, six foot three. Yeah. Um, and I'm sat there on this this set. We're filming in um, Serbia, and I've got a wig on and um, <laughs> a sideburns, a beard. I mean, I looked him. I looked him and just thought. And um, I'm sat there thinking, I'm just working, sit, doing the back of the scene, opposite John Cusack. Opposite me is Brendan Coyle, who's working, he's got a job as the barman. Wow. Um, and he was in Downton Abbey. Yeah. Uh, then I find out that Luke Evans, Alice Eve, all these, I mean, Luke, Luke Evans is a massive actor now, you know. That's I don't huge. Know he's got away. I mean, he's, he's a heavyweight actor, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Pam Ferris was in it. Brendan Gleeson was in it. Uh, Kevin McNally, 
believe it. So many people, I couldn't believe it. I looked at the board and, and then saw me, and I thought, this is my first movie. And um, I was so excited. And um, when it came out, I went with my girlfriend, Jess, who's now, now we're married, um, and we sat in a theatre, and I watched myself on the big screen, and I was very, very proud. Oh, you know wow. what I mean? It was, it was yeah. incredible to think that um, the ex-postman, no training whatsoever, I never had a day's training of acting, and I've worked alongside some A-listers. So I patted myself on the back. Yeah, well, well done. done. Deservedly so. You can do it. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, we sat on that movie set, and and I'm thinking, 20 years back, I was standing behind you in my Eric Morecambe suit while you're singing uh, "Sound of Music." <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and here we are. Exactly. <laughs> but up front, that's where you need to be because it's where you shine the best, mate. And so you do. You done. The, I saw this. I keep seeing you pop up. You see, so I saw you in Blood Brothers uh, on a poster, and then I saw you doing Hot Flush with Leslie Joseph, and then then Sue Pollard. So that that looked like great. I mean, you are, you 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 are. You know, you're being equal now, aren't you? You're top of the bill material, and you were when I worked with you. But you're you're really enjoying your musical and your theatre work, and it's you've worked your way to the top, and you deserve it. So the Hot Flush was, was, was. I never got to see it, mate. But Hot Flush was a comedy, wasn't it? We did it, um, I mean, you mentioned Sue Pollard. We never actually got to do it at Sue Pollard because um, it, 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 uh, it collapsed. The tour just didn't oh. come off, which was really disappointing. Anyway, before that, I did it um, with, it was me and Leslie Joseph and obviously some other girls, some great actresses, uh, actors, and uh, me and Leslie, uh, uh, we worked, we worked so many times here. We've done uh, pantos together um, and we did whole bunch of So we've got a very, very, big respect for each other we call each other mother and son <laughs> and um and i love her dearly and she's just brilliant she's a master so and we've got that mutual respect so we had a, we had a great time i played about 18 different male characters yeah. one from, from anything from um, a pervy old vicar to <laughs> an aussie barman and then i came on in a gib mask and welly boots and a leather thong it was just um <laughs> it was brilliant there's a bit of stand-up in there that i, I could play with um, it nice. was just a brilliant feel-good show, uh, not just for women. Men, a few men went as well and equally enjoyed it. It was just a brilliant show, and it was a really good vehicle for myself. And um, yeah. I, I loved it. It was a, it was a great show. You said you said about snappers being a bit of a sore point, but I had um, around about the same time, two thousand and seven. I went back to working with Brucey. I'd done a TV pilot, and it was uh, John Coleshaw was on, uh, Denise Van Out, and and I'd done the, the most blinding ten minutes set on the show, but it got shelved. And so I know I I feel your pain, you know, when something that you think, oh, this is going to be great, when it comes out and it doesn't come out. It's like. And and I've got it. I've got it on tape. This clip, and you look at, look back at it and think this would have gone down so great, and it could have changed a lot of things, you know. So that's the business that we're in, isn't it, Matt? And and you kind of you get the knocks, yeah. but then you get another door open. It is, mate. And, it, and I, I don't think people appreciate how tough it can be, you know. And, and we all put on a brave face, uh, especially at the moment. With the, I mean, we'll get on to that in a minute. But yeah. in, in this current climate, it is, you know. People turn to us for cheering up and they expect us, but you know, us cheer uppers need cheering up as well, especially now, Definitely. you know, we, we all, we're always the ones that are asked, oh, could you do this for that person or this? And, and I'm always the first to go, yeah, no problem. Hmm. Uh, but at the minute, 
to work. You know, this is a very, very stressful time. Uh, yeah. Full of anxiety and, and worry and, you know, will it come back? Um, you know, will, perform, will, will we be able to make a living? And it's just so tough. And the disappointment, the knockbacks, like you say, it happens. And I think it's a pro... It does. It, it is a real test testament of people that get through it. And if you're yeah. still performing it by a certain age, I think you've come through the mill and you've you've got through an industry that is very very difficult and not everybody can handle, especially mate the acting side of it. No. The amount of times I've had castings. I mean, literally, I've gone for castings. Game of Thrones, right? Uh, and I mean, it's, it it could be life. Some of these castings that could be life changing. Yes. Um, I mean, you know, it's, I've been waiting three weeks. Up for that, I was up for that show three times. You're on hold for three weeks. Wow. And you're like, is it a yes or is it a no? Yeah. If it's no, just let me know. And you're hanging on. And I'm, I'm, I'm doing exactly that at the minute. I've got a casting for Emmerdale, two episodes, really nice part, uh, self-tape. And I'm still waiting. This over, uh, over a week ago, yeah. I'm still waiting. And wait, do they know yet? So you have to put up with that. And it's... Yeah. And you have to take the rejections and the no's. But in the next breath, something can literally come in. I mean, three years ago, I was offered doctors, the lead role. Didn't have to cast. They asked me to do it. That was lovely. Nice. And wow. then from that, um, I went for, I've done EastEnders and Law and Order and um, Casualty. I went for that. And when you get these roles, it's just, it is like a, a proper, exciting, it's like, you know, it's like scoring a, scoring a, a goal in a, in a World Cup yeah. final. Yeah, That's different. how it feels. Uh, and also, it's, it could be lucrative. I, I, I once did an advert uh, in Germany. I got paid about 37 grand for it. it, was, it and you just think, <laughs> those are one-offs. And it's like, it can be, it can be a lottery. Yeah. It's, it's, a tough, it's a tough old game. It really is. But it can be brilliant. And that's what's... Um, that's what's kept me going. Yeah, definitely. It's important to keep your face out there, isn't it? Me, me and Nina don't we won't don't watch soaps, sadly, but we were watching EastEnders one day, and I said, Nina, rewind the telly now. She said, Why? Rewind the telly. Matt Slack is there. That's Matt Slack. She said, No, it's not. It is. That's Matt Slack. And you were standing there, and then you were in more episodes. It, we were so proud of you, mate. It was just it's oh, so great you, to bro. see your progress over the years but one of the biggest things i'm extremely proud of is is your pantomime and what you've done with the birmingham hippodrome uh if if not another venue but birmingham is your your home second home yeah. isn't it and you've worked with so many people there in panto you got the grumbleweeds julian clary the crankies marty pello beverly knight paul zerdin uh, i i've worked with craig river Horwood and i loved working with craig he was directing so all, all these people uh you're you're up there again you know in the top billing and it's uh, what what does this panto mean to you matt um it, it it's difficult to talk without getting a bit emotional mate because oh, um yes yeah. especially at the moment um you, you mentioned craig at all we, we were we were due to do a you know a sort of a last minute panto this christmas just gone we tried uh michael harrison at Julius. He's done an incredible job trying to um, get shows on. He managed to get a palladium on and they closed down after four or five performances. Yeah. Uh, and we were there ready and waiting to go. Uh, Craig Rebel, it was lovely, isn't it? What a, what a top guy, you know, it's so it's generous, so lovely. Yeah. Um, he was a breeze to work with. Uh, anyway, it got pulled, so it, it's, it is a, it's, it's quite difficult to talk about at the minute. Yeah. But it's what a... I've achieved at uh, um, uh, Birmingham Hippodrome after all these years, it sort of made a change. I went there seven years ago, or eight years ago, 
it was a little idea that Michael Eisner said, you know, it's the big, it was the biggest one in the country. And his, his plan was just to slip me in, just gently, just introduce me and then build. And, and it's become huge now. It's just sort <laughs> such a loyal nice following. Uh, and people, it's very nice to them and you know people come to see you. Yeah. And, and you alone. I have a lot of people saying, we only come to see you. Whoever else is in it is a bonus. Um, and that's not... That's not my arrogance. That's a fact, and uh, I'm proud of that because I've, I've, put, I've put in a heck of a lot of work over the years to bring fresh ideas and keep it fresh every year. You've got to put the work in, and I put the work in all year round. And I and I'm you know now I'm reaping the benefits like you said before. And to work with so many different people, to be stood alongside, you know, Stephanie Beecham, I did uh, to work <laughs> with my mate against Steve McFadden, who would become mates because we've done it so many times. Yeah. Um, I've worked with so many great, Beverly Knight, um, wow. and these people become fan, equal fans, you know, you, I find it very humbling and very difficult to understand when these people are going, well, I'm a fan of yours, and you go, <laughs> oh, right, okay, and don't get me wrong, I, I know what I do, I hear it, and I, you know, it's, I've had some incredible reviews over the years that I think, wow, and you don't believe it all too much, because, yeah, um, yeah. It is what it is, but I believe the audience, mate. And when I come out, uh, and I, I, I like the respect of other performers, and when you get that, it's, it's, it's a really good accolade, you know. But when you stand there and you get the love from the audience, that's when I go, I'm doing something right. Uh, and when you're making a real difference, and, and when people really come, and their, their visit to that show every year is like a pilgrimage. Uh, yeah, yeah. And without you, without you doing it, it, I mean, it means so much to them. It means incredible amounts. So that's why I'm devastated. One, it's my job, and obviously, you know, I've got a mortgage. But secondly, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really it. disappointed for the, for the people that I, I, make, I make their Christmas, and, uh, yeah, and yeah. you know... I'm, I'm gutted for them and I'm very, very lucky, mate, to be in, in such a big production in such a beautiful theatre, the Hippodrome. It's a big old place and it's just full of love and warmth. Everybody there. Um, yeah, I miss it. <laughs> I understand the emotional attachment to this to this uh, industry and especially the Hippodrome. I went to see Keith Harris there probably about eight years ago. Uh, Joan Collins, Julian Clary, Jeffrey Holland, just such an incredible billing. But, uh, you know, yeah. I went around to see Keith, uh, obviously, and it, it's just a... I worked there with uh, Ken Dodd. The venue is just stunning. It's such a lovely, lovely place to work. But I was gigging, though, one December. I think it was 2018. I had a night off in between uh, Butlin's gigs, so I thought, oh, I'm going to stop at, see a pantomime, I'm going to stop at Birmingham. So I stopped off at Birmingham Central, uh, parked my car, I thought, I'm, I'm going to get there for two o'clock and see the matinee, and buy a last minute ticket, and you were obviously working with Jimmy Osmond at the time. When I got there, the whole theatre was closed down, it was a day off, I think it was Monday or something. I was, oh, I was gutted, I thought, I'm going to surprise Matt, I'm going to surprise Jimmy, because I'd just done two years with him in in Branson in his theatre yeah and and oh, then no. I came on a Monday yeah Monday's a day off yeah I didn't know that I, I just thought okay I, I'm a very spontaneous person so I turned out <laughs> so I didn't see you didn't see Jimmy and then obviously a week later the terrible news came with Jimmy so and, and you were oh, working yeah, it was wasn't he's a superstar wasn't he just such a great oh, great mate, guy do, do you know what I mean going back while you're saying about how many people have worked alongside with uh, and that's the joy of, of, of each year you get to work with new people 
that's a lot where my material comes with. It depends on working with and who I can bounce off and, and yeah. I'll go, yeah, let's do this. And uh, we make each other look great. And working with Jimmy, Jimmy was so generous, so um, complimentary. Hey, buddy, guy, yourself, buddy. Oh, I, I love working with you. And, and, and he was brilliant. You know, you, you have this, I had a, 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 this misconception of Jimmy Osmond being this, yeah. you know, little shy man. He was amazing. And his, his portrayal of Hook, his character, it, it, he, he was brilliant. And I loved working with him. Um, and I know he loved working with me. Um, and and I, feel, I felt at the time when, when he, when he took, got ill, I felt a bit responsible because I feel like I pushed him into his with, with, uh, did this routine when he lost his rag with me and I thought, oh, I hope I'm pushing him over the edge. And of course, <laughs> it's just me being paranoid. But when when, um, when I found out that I had a phone call at one o'clock in the morning from Michael, the producer, and said, you know, he's not well, he's, he's had a stroke and this and that, and um, I was devastated. Um, yeah. And we were planning on what to do. Um, so, so there was the stress of, the upset of Jimmy alone, that was hard enough. Um, but then we had to think, well, hang on, we've still got a show to do. So yeah. then we had to, I had to think, right, okay, and I, I rewrote things, we put the understudy on, and, uh, made the understudy look really funny, and I just kept saying, you know, you're not Jimmy Osmond, what do you do with him? I'm desperate you to get on, and uh, we made a joke of it, you know, sure, so we got sure. through it that way. But uh, behind the scenes, uh, I was absolutely devastated, mate, because I've become really close with Jimmy, and I, I, I loved him. I thought he was just a genuine, lovely, lovely man that you want, these people to you, you want to work with people like that and yeah, yeah. And he was one of the Osmonds you know and um, such a nice down to earth grounded guy and it was a real tragedy what, um, what to be struck down by oh, what it's he awful. was hit with and you know it yeah. was terrible. It yeah. was shocking. At that time, he's, he's left a, a massive legacy behind, you know, and I know he's resting with his family. I've spoken to his son since, but he's, it's it, he really looked after me. You know, I'd done the UK tour with him and we'd done two seasons in the, the Moon River Theatre. But Jimmy was just such the, the most amazing host, you know, and, and he made you one of his yeah. brothers. They invite you into their family. They're such wonderful people. And so, I yeah, I understand that and sort of having to say goodbye to him is a horrible thing. and But the show does go on, doesn't it? And Jimmy would understand that. So you had Darren Day in the show after that, didn't you? And Yeah, yeah. Again, mate, and, and, and Jimmy would, like you said, he wanted to carry on because um, he was a pro. Jimmy was a pro. He, he wouldn't, you know, as we all are, you know, I've never taken a show off. I've had uh, broken vocal cord, you know, nerve damage. I've, I've had ligament damage to my ankle, back, bad back groin, neck problems. Wow. I've never taken a show off. I, I, I just wouldn't. I'd go on in the wheelchair. I'd go on in crutches. I've done that. <laughs> you just don't do it. I'm, we, we're from an old school of, um, you know, now. People go, oh, I'm, I'm not coming into that. You know, it's like we just get on with it. Yeah. Um, and that's when you've got to be funny. You know, it, it, and that, there's nothing harder trying to be funny when you're feeling absolute crap. But uh, Definitely. with Jimmy, it was just, yeah, the, the, the good thing that came out, one good thing, was um, Darren Day came in. And again, Darren, Darren Day, I mean, he's just had such a lovely bloke. And we became really good mates, close mates. And he came and watched the show. He was blown away by the show. Really complimentary to me. Which helps. If you've got someone coming in who's watching, they go, right, I get this. This guy's doing this and that. And, that, you know, I sort of, I have a big input in the writing and, um, so I've got a lot of control there and I was never off in that show it seemed like I was on mm. all the time it was a lot of work uh, and 
then Darren slipped in and we had um pardon the pun, we had a we, we had a great time. I should have said you're that. Pa- Panto, you're in panto mode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and, uh, anyway, we, we became um, we became great mates and we had such a such a great time. And, and off the back of that, he went on the following year to play Smee in the production that went from the Hippodrome to um, Southampton. So oh. he was very grateful to me and he, he did a couple of my routines that I'd written and he said, you know, do you mind? I went, yeah, go and do it. Go and do it justice. Um, so that was that was something that came out of it. I got a new friendship in Darren Dunn, which is a, he's a top one. Uh, that's amazing, Matt. It, it really is. Um, it, it's so good catching up with you, Matt. Just... Um, uh, I, I treasure that season we did. It was just a, such a great memory back in Babacom. And I love seeing your career blossom. And I know you're going to go on to do bigger, bigger things. And, and you deserve it, mate. So thank oh, you so much. And, and likewise, mate. Listen, I'm, 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 the, the pride comes back at you. But, you know, I've watched you on Britain's Got Talent. And, and it's just it's nice when you see people you work with, mates, uh, from, from yesteryear. That you, you know, it's a small world and life is very short. And, if we can all get on and do well, and I know you've got Nina and the kids, and it's just like, it's it's nice. It's really nice. And even more now, mate, these, in these times, we've got to cherish it. We really have. It's not all about success. And I've always said, I'll tell you what I've learned over this, it is not about the wanting, the destiny. You've got to be hungry in this game. Yeah, you have. But but don't worry too much about the destination. Enjoy, enjoy the journey. Look around, because... Um, Sometimes it's the journey. It's it's. I've, I've learned that it's perspective. You know, it's it's about enjoying the moments that you're doing. It's sometimes it's the preparation, not the actual eating of the feast. Do you know what I mean? I totally agree. Yeah, I, I'm I'm enjoying the journey. You know, and, and just I, I'm not reaching for a goal. I'm just enjoying my work and enjoying what I'm doing, and ready to go back to it as soon as possible. Yeah. You know, so the, that's what we got to look forward to, and just trying to get a, a little bit of normality in our lives, but. It's, uh, but you, as you know, Matt Slack, who has never slacked, you're a grafter, and you're, we just can't wait to see you on the screen again. And the big screen, it would be amazing. I'm very proud of you, Matt. Thank you so much for being on Eyes and Teeth, buddy. Thank you, Steve. It's been a pleasure, mate. And like I say, it's been so good to catch up. Really, really, really lovely. Uh, um, it's, um, and it's much needed. So I hope whoever's listening to this is, uh, I hope they've enjoyed it as much as I have. Thank you, buddy. See you in Birmingham. Yeah. See you there, mate. And don't come on a Monday. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. What a story. And I've got a feeling he's just getting started. If you want to follow Matt, he's on Facebook and at the Matt Slack on Twitter. Today's comedy quote comes from Bradley Walsh. The times change, and if you don't change with them, you get left behind. Eyes and Teeth is written, produced and hosted by Steve Hewlett. Vocals by Lola, Larissa and Nina Hewlett. Additional vocals by Rich T. The Eyes and Teeth music and jingles are produced and performed by the one and only Mr. Kevin Dean. Tune into Eyes and Teeth Funny for Money next time when I'll be talking to Basil Forty, or as the industry knows him, actor, comedian and artist Peter Piper.